0: scripture lesson today is found in Luke 9 verses 28 through 36. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud." Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, it's hard to believe it's almost the end of February. The year is well on its way, going faster than we think. And We're going to close out the month with our theme of love by learning a bit about uh, another significant event in Jesus' life, just as important as his baptism, and, and just as prominent as his baptism, but one that takes place in, a, in different surroundings and in a much different way. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, come and be with us in this time of worship. Free our minds and change our hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts combined be pleasing to you, O Lord. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, so much of what happens in the Bible takes place on a mountain. Think about that for a moment. We can recall many stories. Noah's ark came to rest on a mountaintop when the flood waters receded, and after Noah had offered a sacrifice to God there, our Creator made a new covenant with His creation, promising never to bring such destruction against the world again. Generations later on another mountain, Moriah, Abraham willingly attempted the unthinkable sacrifice of his son Isaac. And it was there that God's angel stopped Abraham and provided a ram for sacrifice instead. After murdering an Egyptian that he found beating a Hebrew slave, Moses fled to Midian. And while he was there tending sheep for his father-in-law on Mount Horeb, God spoke to him from a burning bush, revealing the most sacred name of Israel's God. And it was there that Yahweh told Moses, that he heard the outcry of his people, of the Israelites. He said, "They were the sounds of their cries are in my ears, and I've seen how they're oppressed. Now go, I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And when Moses balked at that, God answered, I'll be with you, and this will be the sign that, that I've given you, When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God at this mountain. And later, as God delivered the Ten Commandments to Moses right there on Horeb, which is also referred to as Sinai, the mountain was shrouded in in smoke and it shook violently. and The people heard volleys of thunder. And centuries later, when when God spoke to the prophet Elijah there on Horeb, it was described as being a light, nearly silent sound. Last week, as I told you about, in Luke's gospel, Jesus taught the Beatitudes on a plain, but in Matthew, we're given those same Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. That mountain setting... Matthew used to help demonstrate that Jesus is not only a prophet, but, but even more greater than Moses. And so another mountain that, that comes to mind is Zion. That's mentioned more than any other mountain in Scripture. But in all of the Gospels, it's, Mount, it's the Mount of Olives that is most often associated with Jesus, especially in the final days of uh, his ministry before the crucifixion. That's where he would go to rest and pray on the mountain after teaching in the temple area. And most importantly of all, Jesus finished his ministry. It came to conclusion on a cross that was located not on a mountain but on a hill, a high place known as both Calvary and Golgotha. So it's no surprise that that this grand event that we're hearing about in our lesson today, the one that we call Jesus' transfiguration, takes place on a mountaintop. Transfiguration. That's a big churchy word, isn't it? One that comes from the same Greek root from which we get metamorphosis. Now, I think most of us are are familiar with metamorphosis or change. Somehow, though, the word transfigured seems a bit more holy. I think that may be why it's used. When we're, we're talking about the glory of God shining all around those on the mountain, Simply saying that Jesus was changed doesn't seem quite right, although change is the word that Luke uses. In this lesson that comes every year right before we enter the season of Lent, we pray to the glorified Christ, we bow before the transcendent God, we invite the elusive spirit to fill us with power and with love so that we can represent our glorious God in our daily living. But this mountaintop occurrence defies all explanation. It rejects everything we know about ourselves and even stretches our understanding of Christ and of our Creator God to whom we belong. What is God's purpose here? Change. What kind of change would that be? Why should Christ be changed now or at any time? What we need to know is that transfiguration is not about our work, but the work that was done before us, the work that already existed when we came into being, Some ask who this event was for. This mountaintop experience may have been for Jesus. After all, it is mentioned that they were getting him ready, those figures that appeared there with him, getting him ready for his departure. Luke Luke puts that to us in, in verse 31. But at the same time, this whole experience is for the disciples as well. The voice that comes from the cloud is is obvious. It's directed at those who were trembling on the ground with fear. That was the disciples. Back near the beginning of the year when we celebrated baptism of the Lord, the voice said as Jesus came up out of the water and a dove alighted on him, you are my beloved, with you I am well pleased. But now today here on the mountain, the voice is saying, this is my son, the chosen, listen to him. The voice was telling them and us that we need to pay attention to Jesus. Because he'll get us through the difficult days ahead. And we know as we enter into Lent, there are difficult days ahead. We've been through this many times. But here in this mountaintop moment, the offer is of a companion. God is offering us someone that will be with us that will walk with us to help us through this time of uncertainty, of searching, both within us and within the world. And then the voice reveals this companion as being capable and worthy, as glorified and perfectly able to handle anything. So perhaps what God wants us to focus on is change itself. We know that God never changes. No, God is constant. We know God by a love that is constant, experienced through never-ending grace. We know God is the one who loves constantly. The God who offers grace continually is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so that points to us. We're the ones in need of change. And that's just what God is offering us as Jesus Christ, change. It's the way of things. For good or for bad, change is all around us, it surrounds us. It's the air we breathe, the water that we drink, the relationships that we share. We can say that we hate change, that we want things to remain the same, but change is part of our reality. Change happens to all of us. So we're constantly in a state of change we're constantly changing you know our bodies shed cells and then they're replaced so we're we're constantly in that process of shedding the old self while putting on the new and this is just a, as much a physical reality as a spiritual one you know we shed those cells at an amazing rate Nearly every minute, 300 million cells are replaced in our bodies. We are God's recreation. But the change here in, in this lesson is about something more than just our bodies. Here, Luke gives us a brief glimpse of the eternity of God's creation. So what happened on that mountain? If we look back to the beginning of of our passage just before that, it follows um, about six days after a conversation between Jesus and his disciples about suffering and death. It's hard to say exactly what happened there, except by repeating what Luke has, has written the appearance of Jesus' face changed. So that indicates to us that, that what the disciples were used to seeing, they no longer saw. And something they hadn't seen before suddenly became evident. Now there were clues all around them to help them define what was happening right there in front of them. First of all, there were those other figures that Luke mentions. Luke says it was Moses and Elijah. Now, I've always wondered how they knew who exactly they were. Maybe Jesus called them by name when they appeared. We don't know because not a lot of attention is paid to the two of them. The whole occurrence wasn't really about them they more or less represented the law and the prophets, the story of the people of God, the heights of the chosen people. They were there to draw attention, really, to the one who was the word of God, who was the presence of God, who was Emmanuel, God with us. Now, interestingly enough, Luke is the only one who sp- who speaks of the conversation among these glowing figures on the mountaintop. Now, they appeared in glory too. Did you, did you notice that careful reading of our passage today? You'll notice that it wasn't just Jesus, but but these other two figures, they glowed too but it was the conversation that they had with Jesus that really drew Luke's attention. They were there to talk about Jesus' departure. That would be his death. Departure in Greek is Exodus. Moses knew well about Exodus. He knew what it was to change everything he knew and everything he was. He knew how to embrace that change even through fear. And that seems to be what this odd little moment on top of the mountain was all about. Embracing the change. Trusting in the one who brings us through. More than that, who calls us to change. To become, well, more. More of everything. More of what we need. To become more like Jesus. At least that's what... It seemed like the voice was saying, the voice that spoke because, well, Peter got it wrong. Peter wanted to resist change. Peter wanted to set up camp and stay a while. He said, let's let's hang out a while here on the mountain and hold on to this moment because who knows what might happen next. But that wasn't the purpose of this whole occurrence. What happened on that mountain was not so much about a change, a change into something different, but a revealing of the essence of the one who was changed. Jesus became who he was on that mountain. Even though, and this is hard to understand, even though He was the same as when he climbed up the mountain and then down again. He was the same, yet changed. Jesus is always who he is, always has been. He's always present in the fullness of his being. But we can see only a part of him the part that we need at any given moment. That's what we see. We experience only a a piece, a dimension of the reality that is Christ. But the really interesting thing is that by Christ being the same then as he is now, we are changed. We're the benefactors of this whole mountaintop experience. We are the ones that undergo metamorphosis, from who we were to who God intends us to be. All because of Jesus. That constant love of God delivered to us through Christ is the transforming power that changes us. Now, we are not transfigured. That's only for Jesus But we are changed along the way of God's recreation. Would we look full into Jesus' face? We see something beyond our understanding, something reassuring, something that awakens our soul to to become, well, more. It brings a change to our hearts that brings us closer to God. Increases our compassion for others. It causes a real and sincere type of love to rise up from our very center, our very being, and overflow into our lives, giving us a whole new attitude. It's what gives us that healthy glow. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God of love and compassion, we give thanks for your word, the gift of a Savior who makes life possible, makes life worth the effort, a life worth living. It brings us into the light of your love, which never ends. Amen.